Well, hello and welcome back to Out of Curiosity. This is our podcast where we are seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. I'm Nick. And I'm Garland. Garland, why did you start laughing as I did the intro? I don't know. <laughs> is it because I can't help but it's dance just, every time the music plays? It's just so silly because we're in this little tiny room <laughs> doing these things. I dance to the intro music <laughs> every time. We're lose our minds eventually. That happened a long time ago. Well, hey, today we are continuing our series on Revelation and all things end times. And we are going to talk about the question, what is the mark of the beast? The mark of the beast. Dun, dun, dun. We need some some dark theme music. Yes, yes that'd be nice. Uh, wh- what comes to your mind when, like, what what have you heard in, 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 at this point in your life, the mark of the beast? I mean, being? the first thing that comes to my mind, probably in, uh, influenced by the old movie, The Omen, which I probably shouldn't admit that I watched, but I think of a tattoo of three sixes. Like, that's yes. that's the first thing I assume is a tattoo on the skin of the three, uh, the three sixes. I've also heard some kind of chip that's going to get implanted in our body that marks us all. And probably like, yeah, that those are the two things that that's first come like to mind. Buy, yeah. Buy yeah, you buy, you have to swipe your wrist, you swipe over your wrist and that's the mark of the beast. Um, so don't get, don't let, don't get a, a credit card chip put in no, your body. Cause that would be, be, that would I heard be somebody it. put, uh, a, the, the chip in their arm for their Tesla. That they could. Are so you serious? I, I heard that somebody, <laughs> that a woman did this. She had her like Tesla chip, whatever, um, put in her arm so that she can always, it's only she can start actually. her. Yeah. She must lose her keys a lot. She must. <laughs> so she needs a lot. She needs to have it put, her key put in her body. Yeah. Um, yeah. I heard recently uh, somebody was talking about um, the the vaccine, like a COVID vaccine, that being, that the mark, might, being the mark of the beast. Why? The government would put it, would, would put it in our bodies and okay. the government's way of controlling us. A lot of this is just silliness, obviously. Sure. Um, not to say that to have concerns about those things is not valid, Sure, but to identify it with a mark mark of the beast. beast. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a little bit, a little bit crazy. Um, I don't want a credit card chip in my arm. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to, I wouldn't have a concern with that. Um, I just don't want that. Um, so when we talk about the mark of the beast, we're talking about a particular verse, one verse in revelation. We're going to see it's very, it's actually more tricky than we think. Uh, but without looking, what is the number of the mark of the beast? Six, six, six. Okay. Is it? Of course it is. Okay, everyone course, knows. Course everyone it's, knows it's six six six. 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 What's funny is, uh, uh, like, if you ever have a, a a bill that you're paying for or something, and it ends up at six dollars and sixty six cents. Oh my or, goodness! Or like a, an address or something like that. People get really freaked out. They're terrified uh, about this stuff, and so we want to. We do want to try to bring some kind of clarity to this question, and uh, we're talking about a passage in Revelation chapter thirteen. Okay. And so, uh, if you wouldn't mind, we're gonna we're gonna read it, then we're gonna do some contextual work, and then we're gonna see that it's kind of complicated. Uh, okay. And so. Uh, let's do. Uh, let's let's read it first. If you wouldn't mind, we're going to read the extended section before. Now, here's what's going on. Uh, and it'll be really helpful to have, to have listened to uh, a previous episode where we talked about different interpretive approaches to Revelation. And so yeah. that will formulate some of how we understand what's going on here. Because there's like dragons and stuff in this There's chapter. dragons and beasts and weird stuff. And uh, what John is doing is he's been taking the reader on a big picture tour of what's been going on in the story of the Bible up to this point. Right. And so there's this spiritual dark force that is animating uh, the beastly empires of the world. That spiritual dark force we call the Satan, and uh, we've talked about the Satan in other podcasts, uh, other episodes of this podcast. But there's this dark animating power that animates sin. And you say anim- animates. What does that? What does that mean to animate? Like you're not thinking of cartoons. Correct. Like it. It gives. It gives vitality to that sin okay. in world empires, and so it. it makes come alive. We might say the things that stand against. God, it, it it whispers in our ear. It, it's think of Genesis three. So yeah. this, the the serpent comes and animates or whispers to Eve to do this uh, this 
this terrible thing. Yeah. So that's what's going on in this this vast world system that he's talking about in Revelation 12 and 13. And he's going to talk about that that animating power as a dragon. And then he's going to talk about two beasts. And one of them is called the beast that comes up from the sea. And the yeah. other one is the beast that comes up from the land. So first of all, we got to say there's two beasts, actually. And uh, let's we're going to pick up on the second beast, this beast that comes up from the land in verse 11. Revelation 13, 11, and read to the end of the ch- to chapter, please. Okay, so Revelation 13, 11, I'm in the NIV. It says, Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It's already weird. That's right? weird. But it's kind of cool. The assumption that lambs have two t- horns, I guess, thinking like a ram or a goat or something, something like, like that. that yeah. Okay. But it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. So the first beast was earlier in the chapter. Yes. And it, whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is six 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 okay there it is and just even saying that it's, it's a little bit it's a little creepy it, the, whole, say the whole six, thing six, is six out loud i mean everything in that chapter is creepy yeah. like it's terrifying yeah. so first and foremost uh this second beast it it forces the inhabitants of the world to worship the first beast okay, okay. so this beast's function is to direct attention to the first beast that's okay. what it does and it does so both politically we might say in a weird religious sort of way to worship the beast and uh-huh. it does so economically. So yep. it gathers the power of uh, politics and religion and economy, all of that enforces the attention of that towards the first beast. Got it. Uh, now, what's the deal with this mark concept? Uh, to, to mark, to be marked for something is to be, to give your allegiance to it, we might say. It's a symbol okay. for allegiance. So if you think about in Deuteronomy chapter six, Yahweh instructs the Israelites to, to, do the Shema, so they are to declare that they have one God, his name is Yahweh. And then he says, write this on the door frames of your house and tie it around your wrist and put it on your forehead. It's the same kind of image here. It's, okay. It means give your allegiance to Yahweh alone. Mm-hmm. So this particular beast is forcing the world in its religion and politics and economy to give its allegiance to the first beast. Yep. And then it says, now, this calls for wisdom. I love that he says that. This is easy. Understand this and calculate it. We're told to make sense of this. And then he gives us this number. Uh, now, the number has a what we call a textual variant on it. Can you explain what a textual variant is? So a textual variant is, I mean, we have lots and lots of copies of the Greek New Testament. When I say copies, I mean like old, old, old copies, manuscripts, manuscripts of this text. And so most of the time they read the same thing that every once in a while we will have a place where one copy says one thing, another copy says another. Mm-hmm. So that is a textual variant, meaning mm-hmm. there's variety in the text. And so it's the work of 
textual critics to try to go, okay, if there are two different texts, which one was more original? Mm-hmm. And most most Bibles are printing a little footnote uh, on the number 666 because there's a textual variant. Uh, the textual variant is some manuscripts say 616, 616. Okay. So if you have 616 in your phone number now or your address, that could also be the mark of the beast. Uh, and that that's going to help us make sense then of what's going on with the number. And this is like, I think this is the coolest thing ever. You, you think the mark not. of the beast this, is the coolest thing well, ever? What, what, what we're about to talk about, because okay. I mean, it's the depths of nerdiness that we have not plumbed yet. We're about to, uh, and so when uh, th- th- there was a very widely used Hebrew tool, and it uh, has a fancy name that doesn't really matter. What the Hebrew tool would but be? You need is, to tell us the fancy name. I, I don't I, alluded I, to I, it. I, I don't like using the big words because why use the big words when a small word would work? So here's what they do: they would encode. Uh, words in numbers. So the Hebrew alphabet, the the letters of the Hebrew alphabet had different numbers that correspond to them. And so you can just Google this and any, uh, it's a simple Google search. You can search, you can see uh, this number meant this letter, it meant this number, this letter meant this number. Okay. And so uh, a lot of people, by the way, think this is what's going on with the, uh, the long, the long lives of the people in Genesis, those numbers actually represent some kind of a word. Interesting. And so this is all, this is, this happens in Hebrew readily, and we can see it a lot of places in our Bible. Uh, a lot of people think that's what's going on here. And then there's a lot of spec- speculation as to what is the word that's encoded in this number. And I, I would actually say at this point, a majority of scholars reading uh, this number have, uh, have landed on this being our answer. When you write Caesar Nero and write that word, that name in Hebrew letters. Okay. And then use the way that they would do those numbers. So that letter means means this number, that letter means this number. Put that together and you get six, six, six. If you take off the, you either do Caesar Nero or Caesar Nero and ending it with this silent N letter that Hebrew likes to do. Mm -hmm. If you take the N off, then it's six, one. Six. So it actually explains the textual variant. Why and we so would have a textual Why we have this place. one for 666 or 616. And so most scholars today uh, understand that the mark of the beast is Caesar Nero. It's Nero, the emperor of the first century in the 60, 40, 50s and 60s AD. Do you want to give us a little insight into Nero? Well, so Nero, um, and I'm, I'm not a an ancient Greek historian, ancient Roman historian, but Nero was, was even by Roman standards, considered a horrible emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems to have gone crazy. Uh, he apparently, according to the story, there's a huge fire in Rome um, that burned the city. And even one ancient Roman historian says that we think Nero might've started it himself to build his palace, to build his palace. And, but it, but it was really unpopular. People got mad because he burned Rome. And so he blamed the Christians. Yes. And so that started an outbreak of persecution against Christians in Rome. So Nero was the emperor that was sitting on the Roman throne when to, at least in our church history, Peter and Paul were killed uh, under his, uh, direction, we might say, or his empire. And so Caesar represents to the first century Roman Christian, all that is wicked and self-exalting and trying to make a name for itself about human empire. Mm. He is the embodiment of that thing. Now, what's interesting is uh, we date Revelation's writing, most people think, to the 80s or 90s AD. Nero had been dead at that point for 30 years. So what is... What is the author John doing by using Nero as this number? I think it's really interesting, and this is where our approach, uh, I think, becomes helpful and why I think it's a little more complicated from our last episode. He's using Nero 
as a type or as a symbol of all the king, the, the worldly emperors who exalt themselves and oppose the things of God. So he uses our, a 30-year dead emperor to say this kind of thing is the very kind of thing you're to watch out for. So in our lenses, you refer to both what we call the preterist. So yep. there's a sense in which we're talking about a historical figure, an encoded, this is a coded reference to Nero. But then you're also referring to something kind of like the idealist. He's a picture mm-hmm. of all mm-hmm. evil emperors and, and, and empires. We do this today. We say, well, like Hitler, or yeah. like Stalin, like we have this ultimate example the worst of, of su- the worst, the worst of the worst. And so in doing so, uh, John is drawing this idea, this image of Nero and then employing it for the, the wise reader to calculate. And that's, that's how most scholars understand the mark of the beast. Now you can also say, well, if that's the case, Nero is a type of a kind of emperor then it's also likely that before Jesus returns, and we're going to talk about this Antichrist figure at a later episode, there might be one who embodies this type to the utmost. So the futurist view could even also say one day there'll be a Nero kind of figure before Jesus returns. And so in looking at last episode in this one, that's what makes this complicated and uh, nuanced and fun, I think. And so thinking about Caesar Nero, most scholars think that is our answer to the quote, Mark of the beast, the number of the beast. So what, what then pulling it all back together, if you're reading this in the first time, what is the, what is the warning as far as the mark of the beast, this Mm -hmm. idea of taking on the mark? You said it's something about loyalty. Yeah. Let's draw all of that imagery together. Uh, There are world empires who establish themselves to make a name for themselves. And usually what follows is all sorts of injustice, uh, all sorts of pain, economic, you have to give economic and political loyalty to it, or they, or they kill you. That's how it's always worked. And what the, the implication is for the reader is you are to see those world empires, world power as beastly mm. and separate out from it. Uh, and don't give your allegiance to it in our day. I mean, we're right as we record this, we're sitting a month from an election in America. And when Christians align with power, world power, Mm. political might, economic might, that is us aligning with the beast in a sense. And so I'm not talking about which party here. You're not naming a candidate. I'm not naming a candidate or a party. I'm saying when we clamor for power by the world's way of doing power, it's like aligning ourselves with Nero. That is in a sense, anti the Christ. Exactly. To a lot to seek worldly power as Mm -hmm. a means to accomplish our goals. So as a, as a statement, this is a, this is a call to radical radical allegiance to Jesus and separating out from the, we might say the way of the world, the way that the world uh, clamors for power. And, and, and as such, that's really important for us in our day, uh, politically, economically, uh, with the way that we think about uh, how we are trying to take Jesus's name and use his influence in the world. We don't do so by the world's systems of power. It always fails. And so that takes something that can seem kind of obscure and makes it incredibly practical Mm -hmm. for our everyday spiritual Mm -hmm. life. So, uh, yeah, hey, thanks for helping bring some clarity. And thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity. As we discussed, what is the mark of the beast? We encourage you to look into this more in Curiosity episodes 51, 52, and 53. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to OOCuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at OOCuriosity. Be sure to subscribe and keep up with future episodes.